Hello, and welcome to Inside the HR Office, an Employers Resource Association podcast, where every episode, ERA leaders get together with experts around the human resources industry to talk about hot topics in the space. Let's listen in. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our podcast today. My name is Amanda Mosteller. I'm the Director of Talent Development here at Employers Resource Association and have been in the industry for going on 15 years now. So I'm also joined by Dana, Dana Vogelmeyer. Dana, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Dana Vogelmeyer, Learning and Development Consultant with ERA. And I have been in the learning and development industry for about 10 years but also worked for many years as a leader in a Fortune 50 company, and that was about 25 years. Wow. I knew that, but it's still exciting every time. (laughs) (laughs) So um, Dana and I are here to talk today about the Association for Talent Development's Trends of the Industry Report, which is something they release each year and gives information about trends in the talent development industry, what can we learn about what people wanted to learn, how they learned, and how do we take that information and build on it and incorporate it into our talent development strategies in our organization. So I'm really excited to chat through all of that with you today, Dana. And to kickstart it, as a national advisor to chapters for the Association for Talent Development, I know these are things that you all look at and talk about. What are you identifying as what drove the trends that the report is showing us today? A lot. So if we think back, this report came out um, for 2020. So remember what 2020 happened, what happened in March 2020. Mm -hmm. It's hard sometimes to even remember pre-pandemic, right? But before that, one of the things I think about, we were all talking about stress and um, the pace of things and the pace of change, and then March of 2020 happened, and um, that changed everyone's perspectives and priorities. So we had a lot of shutdowns. There were um, there was a lot of ambiguity because we didn't know how long this was going to last. So it was hard to know how to plan. And then, if you remember, so that was March. In the summertime was when the George Floyd murder happened, and then there was a lot of emphasis during that time in this, this social justice movement around DE&I training. There was also a lot of political division. So when all of these things, on top of an already stressed workforce, running around taking kids to soccer or you know helping with homework mm-hmm. and all those things, and then this these other things kind of pile on top, there was a lot of stress and um, just ways that really employers shifted to start addressing some of the issues people were having at work. It was just a a really unique time from anything we'd seen before. And one of the things that I found really interesting in the State of the Industry report, the Bureau of Labor Statistics found that 56% of all establishments, of all industries, 56% experienced a drop in demand for their goods and services. So that was during the year of 2020, but that sounds logical when we think about it, but 56% is a big number, and 19% were government-mandated closures. Mm. That's, mm-hmm. Those are both big numbers. So that dramatically changed plans for everyone, and we kept hearing people say, we've got to pivot, we've got to regroup, we've got to reprioritize, and that also changed training and development priorities. Mm-hmm. 
So remote work increased by 33% just from March to June of 2020. And as we know, it kind of crept up after that. And it was still one of those things where how long is this going to last? So we didn't know how to plan for it. But people started having to cover other roles. There were a lot of people who quit their jobs. And so the demand for training new people skyrocketed. And then the global economy contracted by 3.2%. So there was negative growth. A lot of companies had to think about how they were spending. And so the, the shifts in the L&D spend with organizations came out a little different than it usually does. But the um, learning suppliers, companies like ours, is at about 30%. So mm. people are, are starting to not worry about having that talent in their own house, so to speak. They get it. They get the talent from another organization that already offers that. So there was kind of a lot of shift there. And uh, tuition reimbursement was only at 9%. But again, think about 2020. And, you know, some people were planning to go to college and then couldn't go on site. And so that all shifted too. Mm -hmm. So there were just, you know, a, a, a lot of things happening, kind of bringing it all together where companies had to take a step back and say, we just need to rethink this, where, how we're gonna move forward now. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's um, interesting when we think about, cause coming from myself, and, and you were for a time too, coming from internal support, that's often a thing we think about as an internal talent development uh, provider is when the purse strings get pulled tight, what happens? Um, and so I think it's it's an interesting number to see. There was a percentage we could put to how the purse strings got tightened up, yes. um, but that ultimately organizations were still focusing on what we develop our folks in. It's just mm -hmm. what we develop in might change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And as you say, the, you know, the purse strings tighten up. That when the company says, "What do we need? What can we eliminate?" A lot of times, training is kind of first mm -hmm. but I you know. still have to give people training but that's right. great because they can they can off um, or outsource it rather to organizations like us so. mm -hmm. yeah. okay so one of the things too in the report that I, I'd like to get your opinion on Amanda was about the content distribution can you talk a little bit about how that changed yeah yeah it was we always know that we're going to see trends and content around some of the compliance things because we have to but we certainly saw as you think about those purse strings tightening, when we do spend our money, it's on what we have to. So that mandatory compliance training came up a lot. And we even see that in our business as members reaching out and saying, well, look, we know we need to do these things and we know we use you guys for that. So just come do that. <laughs> so that was definitely one of the higher ones. Included in there were things like safety training. Um, security compliance, that became huge. Cybersecurity, everyone don't click on the link unless you know the person. We're going to send you through training to remind you of that. Um, and those were some big pieces as well as uh, the DE&I training became continuing to grow. When we think again, this is something from 2020 and the social movements that were occurring during 2020 organizations really started to focus in a positive way to say we really need to not only embrace but focus on developing our team members in these things. The other thing that kicked up a lot 
in leadership development was an interesting shift in what the development was on. So it moved from, in 2019, 21% of leadership development content was focused on leading a person that doesn't sit in the same space you do. So leading that remote employee or that employee that doesn't sit with you. In 2020, it jumped to 77%. That's a huge jump Mm -hmm. because organizations were having to rapidly shift to I don't walk around the office and see you. That ability to lead through walk around management had to change. You can't walk around from your living room and see everybody. So um, when we think about how leadership development consistently is a highly consumed content area, the focus in leadership development became around managing that remote workforce as well as building relationships with your people to keep them engaged. We talk about the great resignation concept and developing myself as a leader to build relationships to retain people became a big focus. Um, And that empathy. You know, we have the social justice movements going on in 2020. We also have fear of people from the COVID-19 pandemic. We have people losing people Mm -hmm. left and right. We have parents that are single parents having to work and now be teachers. And so how do I as a leader build my relationships with my team and form empathetic relationships to be able to understand what they're going through and and still somehow keep things moving. And that really, all of those things combined are what drove those content consumption, consumptions around compliance, DE&I training, and those specific areas of leadership development that don't always rise to the top like they did that year. Yeah, those were big yeah. and so important too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm happy in some of the things that that we that more focus has come on um, because I think it's only going to positively impact businesses. Yeah, and I agree. Teams. So we know in 2020, obviously, with everybody all of a sudden going remote, virtual training took the front seat. But really, how did how people consumed all of that content that they focused on? What how did that change and come out in 2020? Yes. To use your word dramatically. (laughs) So the in-classroom went from um, 40% of all training was held in-classroom down to 16% because people weren't going into the office. So virtual classrooms, now this was just for the year 2020, um, increased from 19% up to 35% when you look at all training hours, all learning hours. So there were also things done... um, that might be things like watching videos, like e-learnings or reading, but the virtual classroom increased. And I think in the next year's report, I think it'll be even bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, a research paper done by ATD called the virtual classroom. And they found that 98% of organizations used virtual classrooms. So virtually everyone is using <laughs> a virtual classroom. <laughs> and nine out of 10 um, said that COVID-19 was the major driver for doing mm-hmm. that. But e-learning also increased. And in that same report, 97% of organizations have said that they're using some form of e-learning now in 2020. And I think you know prior to COVID, there was oftentimes pushback from leaders mm-hmm. on doing like a virtual class or an e-learning. They, for whatever reason, felt that people get more out of it or it needs to be face-to-face. And they can be equally as effective. So when you know push came to shove and there was no face-to-face option, 
everyone adapted just like they they had no other choice. But organizations also said that they started uh, using a lot more social learning platforms, which I think mm-hmm. is so wise. And some of that's through social media or collaboration tools like SharePoint or Slack or in the LMSs or things like that. So big shifts that I think would have eventually come over time, mm-hmm. but because we were kind of shoved into it to do it sooner, it's it's moving quicker than we thought. Yeah, I think there's such a benefit to them. So <clears throat> being of the uh, elder millennial generation, we, <laughs> my husband and I, whenever we want to know how to do something, we go to YouTube to figure it out. And mm-hmm. I know... When I first joined ERA, I had conversations with my peers and with with uh, other members of the team around all the ways people learn and grow their knowledge and skills now. And so I would ask questions like, what do you do when you find, want to try out a new recipe? Where do you go? And, and people were talking about tasty videos and different things they watched. And um, I remember doing a session with a member and one of, we were talking about the different ways people learn and he said I installed an entire bathroom in my basement through YouTube videos. Wow. He said I've never done it before, but there's so much information there. And so there's such a benefit to recognizing that the way we consume and can access information has really transformed. So while I don't love the quick fast forced movement when you mentioned the resistance i remember having so many conversations with leaders in my career saying no no really videos and and the the digital learning and the social learning platforms are effective it's just different and you have to be intentional about it so um i think that trend is an exciting trend that i hope doesn't go away (laughs) i agree yeah yeah and, you know, you think about, like, YouTube videos and the person doing a bathroom. And I taught myself how to groom my dog watching a YouTube video. And when we all do that, then our expectations change as a mm-hmm. learner, too. So yeah. that's something I think we need to consider as our audience and what is it that they want and expect. And what's the most efficient use of their time? Mm-hmm. You know, face-to-face is really good when we need to build some relationships or, you know, create a harmonious team or something like that. But other times, it's just more efficient to have, you know, can I just pull up a video and watch this? Mm -hmm. Get Mm -hmm. it done. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've been talking a lot about things that have changed. And one of the big things in the workforce is just people leaving their jobs Mm -hmm. and looking for something else maybe that's more fulfilling. Mm -hmm. And so if they're changing entire industries, then they need to look at what what it is they bring to this new industry rather than necessarily having to start all over again with college or anything. So they have transferable skills. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that, what that means and how to look at your own transferable skills? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's something that as I look at the things I've learned over, over time, I've worn so many hats and I've learned so many things in my career that have nothing to do particularly with being a great facilitator of a class in a room. Um, but could really work well in terms of marketing or as I'm, I always talked with my sales leaders in my last organization and they said, when, what have you ever sold? And I said, I sell the need for learning to you guys on a daily basis. (laughs) There's so many, so, you know, those skills to be able to explain to somebody and get them to see the value can transfer to so many different areas. Um, they're even shifting the term great resignation now to the great reshuffle. And they're saying it's, you know, we're seeing this trend where people aren't just quitting the company. 
people are quitting their whole career field, like you were saying. And so I have a friend of mine, and she and I have had this conversation, and I've, I've started bringing it up to members as we think about recruiting and we think about what we're looking for. She was in the restaurant service industry for 13 years. And when I think about the number of skills you have to master to be good at that, and that I've never done it because I never thought I could be good at it. She has great customer service skills. She has great communication skills. She multitasks so she can manage multiple things going on at once because she had to, right? You have to do more with less. She said the industry was already in decline before this started. So there was already less and less people to cover the same amount of space. Um, And I think about all of those skills and I think, gosh, there's so many You know, as an office manager, I would want somebody that can handle the front, handle people's complaints, make people happy, manage a lot of different things at once. And if I was looking for somebody that I knew that could do that, if they haven't had office experience, that doesn't mean they don't have those skills. And that's what I'm encouraging all of those leaders I'm speaking to about the open headcount problem all of us have Mm -hmm. (laughs) is... Don't look for someone that is at an entry-level position with experience in the entry-level position that you're looking for. Look for somebody that their resume shows all the skills they've learned. If I know somebody has the ability to take an angry table that all has a complaint and manage that with a smile on their face for 13 years, they've been able to do it, that tells me a lot Mm -hmm. about what they can probably do. And I think in this great reshuffle, that's what as a hiring manager and as a recruiter and as an organization we need to start thinking about is really not how many years have you done this job somewhere else, but what are the skills your career has developed in you? I almost encourage people now on their resumes to highlight that. Here's the capabilities that I have. And here's, I can explain to you in an interview how I've learned those and how I've applied those in my past roles and how I think it could apply in this role. Mm I think it's is really what we need to start doing. Yeah. That's yeah. a very smart and very innovative approach. Ooh. Because yeah. I think people don't realize that, you know, I do have these skills. Because mm-hmm. if they don't stop to analyze and think about it in that way, they just think, oh, I'm a server. Right. Or I'm a this. But to your point, 13 years of, I'm sure not every table that she had was... Um, pleasant all the time right <laughs> so and you know diffusing customer complaints does take skill mm-hmm. so that's a valuable skill especially if they're customer facing in the next job mm-hmm. yeah well I think about how much emotional intelligence it has to build yeah. in you too mm-hmm. to be able to diffuse the complaint at yeah. this table and that table and still have a smile on your face to the table that's perfectly happy yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> takes yeah. a lot it takes a lot it does it's probably exhausting but You know, good for her that she did so well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as we think about this reshuffle then and where it businesses are going to continue to invest their their finances in terms of an employee's first year, we know is the heaviest investment a company makes in an employee's life cycle. Um, What does that mean for onboarding? If I have people coming in the door with skills I want, but maybe not the experience they need yeah that's a great question and onboarding I think is really one of my favorite topics I think because 
It's so important when you actually take a step back to think about it. Think about the first day that you ever had on any given job. And at some point you probably had great first days and other times you might've had an experience where it was like, oh my gosh, that was awful. And how that makes you feel. Mm -hmm. And there are, um, there are statistics around showing that the first impression really influences how long that person stays. We know a lot of people quit like in the first four months a lot of people quit in the first year, but there are people who, and I don't have the figure right in front of me, but there are people who quit after the first day because mm. the first day was so bad. And think about all the money and time and effort you put into getting that person in the door and then something went horribly wrong. And many years ago, I showed up to a first day on the job and they didn't know I was coming. Oh, The people who didn't, that interviewed me were from the corporate office and this was a field office and they neglected to share that, oh, hey, your new hire is starting. <laughs> and they're like, who are you? And who sent you? And who did you talk to? Are you sure it's this office? And I was like, yes, I'm sure I'm in the right spot. So anyway, it, it didn't feel very um, warm or mm -hmm. welcoming. I had nowhere to sit. You know, it, it, felt, it felt bad. Now, of course, I did go back. Um, and it all turned out fine. But that's kind of my point. Like, you know, if the leader and the team are welcoming and helpful and show people around, and if you're virtual, it's still showing them around in a different way, mm -hmm. where to find your forms, what kind of tools, who to call, but you've got to create this environment that feels like a good community and somewhere that the person is going to enjoy being while they're there for their shift and their tenure. And that onboarding process lasts more than just that first day and orientation. There, there needs to be some continual nurturing of this person as they're coming on, letting them know more about maybe the company or the vision, you know, as they grow in their roles, um, who else they could shadow eventually at some point when they want to move on to another opportunity, but also HR kind of looping back mm -hmm. to see, was this a good hire? Was this a good fit? What could we have done better? But also check in with them how it's working out. And, and just use the, the time wisely so that you don't have to lose someone and hire again and again and again. Mm -hmm. So I think onboarding can be a great retention tool if it's done really well. Yeah. Yeah. And those are one of those things that I enjoy working with members on too. It's something we've started doing because you've joined our team because our team itself has transformed. I know anyone that's been a member for a long time, Dana's and my name and voice might be very foreign to you. <laughs> We've had a big changeover in the organization, but these are things that I love to do too, is come in and say, oh, you don't have anything past the first day. There's nothing formal. Let us help you create that because, because that is such a pivotal time in the employee's life cycle for an organization. So Yes. And the employees forming opinions mm -hmm. every day, the first day, the second day, the third day, and deciding whether or not they're coming back. Right. And who are they talking to when they leave? You know, <laughs> I mean, even at the end of that first day, I think about how often in marketing we talk about the word of mouth marketing is, is your best or worst marketer. Yeah. That's true of recruiting too. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Everybody says, we'll go on Glassdoor. I'm like, I don't need to. I can just talk to people. <laughs> Yeah. Just having a conversation with my friends who have friends who have friends. Yes. So, yeah. yeah, it's so important. So what, in your opinion, should our members take from all of this information in terms of how the industry just in 2020 
And of course, we'll be excited to see 2021s by the end of 2021, <laughs> but, um, or by the end of 2022. But what, what should they take away with this information, do you think? Well, I think the bottom line is that um, things are constantly changing, mm-hmm. and some of the things you plan for are going to have to change and you have to be adaptable. But, but taking a step back to take time to learn about what's happening in your industry and um, you know, we're the, the learning industry, so mm-hmm. we know what's happening in our industry, and we can help other companies who maybe don't have access to this kind of information. We can help them with some of these innovative approaches mm-hmm. or just filling some gaps that they don't have in their workplace. Um, but, I, you know, not doing the reading and the keeping up with what's changing is really what causes the end of many companies you know Mm -hmm. think about the blockbuster netflix situation yeah you know not keeping up will will really impact what your future is so i'd say the big thing is to keep studying your industry yeah yeah i think when i listen to all of these things that in my time in my career it's like this isn't new to me to know this, right? Mm-hmm. To how long, how many conversations did I have about mm-hmm. uh, developing your skills in this or, or remote workforce in general or, you know, digital learning modalities being effective, um, the importance of the first year, you know, that kind of stuff. I think when I read that it's coming out now, I just think organizations being open. I think they've been forced to be open to change now and I'm saying don't stop. Let's be open to now, how do I embrace these other ways to develop my talent so that I can retain my talent? (laughs) Yes, Yes, make your life easier. Right? That's the whole goal. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do is develop your talent so they stay. (laughs) What is that famous quote? Make them, uh, develop them so that they could leave, but treat them well enough that they don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know who said it, but I love that quote too. Yeah. I don't know. Whoever it was, genius. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Dana, for spending some time with me today and talking through this. I could talk about this for days. I love this topic. Um, Me too. But it was fun. All right. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Want to know how ERA can help you? Visit our website at www.erahr.org. Thank you for tuning in to the Inside the HR Office podcast. See you next time.